Hello, and welcome to Weddings Unveiled, the podcast for your wedding planning process. I'm your host, Leah Longbreak. We know how exciting and stressful playing the big day can be, and we're here to help, providing you with information and advice from industry insiders and those with firsthand experience. On today's episode, we have Courtney Bonning, the co-owner and pastry chef of Terrapin Bakery, located in Cleveland, Ohio. She'll share her tips on how to choose your wedding cake and reception pastries. Courtney, how did you get started with being a pastry chef and your business Terrapin? Oh, okay. Two totally different questions. I have to bring it to like right now in this moment in the news because I'm incredibly sad that Napa Valley is on fire right now with the glass fire because it was 2004 and Cleveland did not have a self-esteem yet. I feel like we've gotten to the point where everybody's got a self-esteem and we kind of forgot that we didn't like ourselves for a real long time. So I just wanted to leave. (laughs) And I graduated from Kent State and I was managing restaurants and I needed a reason to get out of here because I was 24 at the time. And I knew that I wanted to be in restaurants because I absolutely love it and I love being around people, but not in that specific scenario. So I was like, yeah, I want to be a baker. I want to take out too many student loans and drive to (laughs) California and and go do this. But sometimes that's just what you need to do in life. Seriously. So absolutely. I was searching for literally the pastry school that was the furthest away from home. That I could afford. But not France. That I could afford. Yes. Because it would have been France. I, I went way later. I went way later. So yeah, I drove across the country and went to the culinary institute because I knew that, you know, if I looked at the industry I was in and I really wanted to hone all my skills, like being a pastry chef was really where it needed to be. And it was awesome to all of your listeners. If you're <laughs> if you want to do it, do it. That was a great school and it's a great program, especially for adults, because it is a sped up program. It's nine months of intensive of just cooking. Oh, so that yeah. That's great. Oh my God. You go to school in a castle on a hill and you're just making pastries with these internationally renowned pastry chefs. It was magical. How do we get to Terrapin? After we got through the Bonbon era, I did some soul searching and what Terrapin really is is the it's the culmination of all of the efforts of all of the things that I just told you because I could take a little piece out of all of these experiences and know that it's something I want to carry with me and it's something that I want to do every day. What I've done is I've taken the employees out of it so I can have one-on-one conversations with my brides, with my clients, and execute things for them. I don't have to worry about how they're going to come out. I know that they're only touched by my professional hands. And that's why Terrapin is really important to what I'm doing right now. And I have a feeling that I'm going to be doing it for a long time because as we dig deeper, I realize that this is more closer to my soul than anything I've done. That's awesome. And I'm so happy to hear that. And I think it's really important for brides and grooms knowing that, you know, there is love and care from the baker that they choose, right? it's going to be putting in those details and that hard work. It's not just you're hiring this person and they're going to put together this layered cake and that's all it is. Like, there really is a passion and love behind it and they are looking out for your best interest. Well, I think you as a bride can understand from all the brides I've talked to, 
you're talking to so many people and you've got so many balls in the air and this is not your profession. This is, to, to a lot of parties, this is brand new uncharted territory. And you're looking at something on Pinterest and you're looking at an idea and you're like, God, this is so cool and I don't know how to make this happen. And you really need somebody to guide you through it that's going to be with you yes. the whole way. Yeah. And just make it happen. So I understand the nervousness when it comes to the big day and all of the balls that you've got in the air and the fact that you do need a village to make this happen, to make it special. Great way of putting it. You really do need a village. Now with that, Courtney, how soon should couples start looking for their baker or the company that they're going to work with? Once they do find someone, what's the next step? As soon as you know that you've got a date set, and you have talked to the place where you're having the event and you understand all of the things that that event space can serve us because, man, it's like the wild, wild west out there. It goes from like complete DIY, you've got this white box warehouse or a barn or a patch of grass to full service Ritz-Carlton type of stuff. So once you have your event space, then I think you can reach out preliminary-wise to a baker like myself or cooking a cupcake or white flour or or all of those things and just say, hey, this is my date. And when do you want me to get back to you? Because all of these places are going to have a different set of rules. You clearly went there because they fill your aesthetic in some way. But white flour who specifically does wedding cakes, they might be booked out for two years. I don't know. Oh, it really, it true. depends on the date. It depends on, you know, maybe maybe you're trying to do your wedding on Labor Day. It's really important to you. You have a lot of people coming in from out of town and that date is a hot date. It's going to be booked. So get together with them, find out what deposit they need. Or you can come to me and you're going to be like, hey, I'm getting married in a year and a half. And I'm be like, talk to me in a year. <laughs> like, because, because I'm not booked out in that way because my specialties are more dessert buffets and a la minute things. And you can try to book me, but it's not going to be practical. You're going to forget information. It's going to be that kind of thing. So yeah, reach out preliminary and find out what kind of information they need from you. But also use that time to really like rein in what you want because you're going to start off, maybe you did, maybe you don't, tell me how this worked for you, where you're like, oh my God, I want to have my wedding on the moon and I want everything (laughs) to be covered in balloons and I want a fountain and I want an ice sculpture. And then suddenly you're like, wait, I don't want to pay for any of this. This is all silly. It's like, did it change over time? We're going to get to budgets in a minute. But (laughs) for me personally, all I knew is I wanted confetti cake. It's my favorite cake. The company we end up going with She had this amazing confetti cake, and I was just like, let me learn more about you. Yes. And you know what? She blew me away because what we ended up doing, and I didn't know existed, was we just did a simple two-tier cake. The top half we took home with us, and then we sliced into the second one for the cake cutting, and the rest got split up to the wedding party. But then below that, and I have photos on my website, (laughs) lifewithleah.com, there's three (laughs) tiers— of what is like Flintstone push-up pops. Oh, I'm definitely checking this out. But they're cake pops. So instead of like their normal cake balls or like cupcakes, we did these Flintstone push-up pop, but they're cakes. So she set it up in the cylinder and like covered? Awesome. Yeah, think of like the champagne (laughs) girls that walk around at events so you can pull the champagne out of their skirt. It's like that, but under the cake. I love And they had caps to them. So you could walk around on the dance floor or put them in your purse and not like ruin the cake. 
Did they do like a monogram or something fun on top of them too? No, no it was just very no, simple. Just plastic. Very simple. And you can see the cake layers because they're clear. So we had red velvet one layer, which is my husband's favorite. We did a delicious chocolate in the middle, and then we bookended it with confetti with cream. Dude, that's fantastic. And it was probably easy for them, too. I love that idea. Yeah. I think 2021 is going to be a really hot year for weddings. I only ended up doing one wedding this summer. It was beautiful, but... I think a lot of people are going to end up postponing because there are some people who cannot do the 15-person wedding, which is the one that I got to do, so. Yeah, I mean, really, especially with COVID. And you have newer brides, like some of our listeners right now, you know, that are newly engaged and now they have to compete with brides postponing for dates. So once you um, find a baker or company, what is a tasting process normally like? Do you just have flavors that you generally do laid out or should a bride and groom say, hey, these are what we're looking for off the rip? I think you definitely need to do some research and spread it out. Go to a few different people just to gather information. You may or may not end up doing tastings with them, but if you can go, this is my budget, this is how many people I'm trying to serve, and they'll usually have cake flavors available for you to just look through online. You'll be able to narrow it down, but, you know, cast a wide net, narrow it down to a few people, and get the conversation going with them. But all of my websites and all of my menus, I have set flavors. I have 16 set flavors. I was, <laughs> I was just working on my website there today. Really is something for everybody. <laughs> I'm really hoping you can find something on there that you like. Even with those 16 set flavors, you might go, can I do this with a change, with a twist, with a this is what I want. Most people are going to be willing to accommodate. I've been doing this for the last 17 years in this particular role. And I've gotten to the point where I have a set menu because I realize it's a work smarter, not harder situation. Dealing with a veteran like me is going to be different than dealing with somebody who is a new and awesome baker because they might be willing to try a million different flavors with you. And they've got the passion and they work really super hard. So I feel like you're going to end up finding this aesthetic. Everybody's so connected on social media that they're going to be like, oh my God, vegan burial grounds bakery is amazing. And she's doing all these crazy flavors or dramatic snacks is amazing. And she's doing all these crazy flavors and you're going to naturally be drawn to them. But the one thing you need to keep in mind is your budget. And you have to have one. You can't just be like, oh, I just really need a thing. Charge me anything you want. Let's go into that because (laughs) I think it's super important before we really dive in even deeper because it can be so overwhelming to hear a number once you get an idea in your head. Maybe you are that person that dreams of like a five-tier cake with a fountain off the top or something, which is beautiful. I've had those. (laughs) But you get shell-shocked when you hear what it actually costs to do it. And you don't want your dream totally killed. I mean, there's ways to modify your dreams to fit your budget, but what's a healthy budget that we should be considering when it comes to tear cakes. You know, I was thinking about this podcast today and I know you've heard the saying and I'm going to butcher it, but it's like, you can get things well-made or you can get things fast or you can get mm. things cheap. Mm-hmm. And maybe you can get two, but you're never going to get all three. Correct. And you guys need to keep this in mind. 
And it really starts inwardly before you go outwardly. You know what your budget is as a human being. And if your budget is $100, then your budget is $100. And shocker, you can feed 100 people with $100. You may end up at Costco, but hey, guess what? Costco's got delicious cake. So you have to think about like what's important to you, but it really starts with you because I have to admit from the other end, it is also so hard for me as a baker when a bride comes and they're like, I want this fountain on top of this cake and it needs to be five tiers and it has to be at least six stories tall because my third cousin had this crazy cake five years ago and I have to top what she did. Give me a number oh, you've just sent me into a tailspin. I have no idea what to quote you. There's so many details. There's so many aspects to finishing. There's so many things that I need to pull from you. And probably while we're having this conversation, you haven't decided on all the factors of your cake yet. So I can't even give you an accurate quote. So when you're like shell-shocked by these quotes, it's because your baker is probably giving you a high quote to cover all of the requests that you're about to make for them. Yeah, because buttercream is different than fondant. So different. A tub of fondant, one tub of fondant that might cover a cake that could feed 150 people, just the cost of the fondant is around $80 if you're buying good fondant. Just the cost of the fondant. And that doesn't include what's going to be probably 15 to 40 hours of work, depending on what you want the finish work to be. And the difference between fresh flowers, which I'll only charge people costs on fresh flowers because I don't have to do anything to them. Right. Versus gum paste flowers. They'll last forever. They have a specific look to them that some people are going for, but they are 20 times the cost. They're 5 to $20 a flower. And you know what's funny? Like, you can really go on to these websites. You can go on to Pinterest. You can go on to Etsy. And you can see the actual cost of what people are spending on these things. Just to get back to it, again, start with your own budget. If you have a budget of $500 and you only have to feed 100 people, you're going to get a more elaborate cake. But if you have a budget of $500 and you have to feed 500 people, then you have to understand that you might have to do a little work yourself, sourcing flowers, maybe from Etsy, or having your florist cover your cake with flowers and getting something that's structural, but having your florist actually cover it, which is something that I do a lot, But it starts with you. And that's the best way to go about it. I think something important in the budget to bring up that I didn't realize until I was a bride myself was also certain fees. I didn't realize that there would be the fee for delivering the cake the day of. I never considered it. I didn't think about the fee for the stand, the rental fee, which the money comes back if all the parts are there and is delivered. But it's still money gone for a minute <laughs> that you need to think about. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? And so deposits, those are other budget things that should be considered. Is there anything else that I haven't mentioned as far as that goes that we should probably bring up as well? Well, hopefully your deposit is going to end up going towards the the total cost of the cake. When people give me a deposit, that just means I'm serious, I want to work with you, and I will be giving you more money in the future. But... <laughs> Essentially, what I do with the deposit mentally, if not physically, is I go and I buy the fondant. I go and I buy the flour. And I have procured all of the actual products that I need to make it, knowing that later I'm going to end up getting the other half of the deposit. And that is for my labor to actually put this together. Some people will charge for stands. Sometimes you can get your own stand. 
By the way, I have to digress for a second. If you are buying a heavy multi-tiered cake, something that's more than two tiers, and you want to put it on a pedestal that has just a single pedestal in the middle, that is a terrible idea. It is scary. You're putting something very heavy on something that has almost no weight at the base, and you want to cut into it. You want to put more pressure onto it as you and your partner are doing this beautiful thing, and that is going to end up on America's Funniest Home Videos. (laughs) Don't do that. Please, God. Or do just two tiers and have everything else be just cupcakes or whatever you need to be. But But don't do the... Don't do the single pedestal, put it on a solid base. A lot of bakers will offer bases that are just included. It's called a cake drum. So you don't necessarily have to do that. So if somebody's coming back and they're like, you have to buy this base, you probably don't. It's good to talk to your baker and go, look, I'm just not willing to spend the money on this, regardless of what it is. No one's looking at the base of this. It's going to be covered in tool. It's going to be covered (laughs) in glitter. This is silly. No one cares. Yeah, no one cares. I don't want this. It's just going to go on the floor or whatever you're doing with it. (laughs) Delivery is a big deal because you're usually, a lot of these places aren't where you're living. So you might live in downtown Cleveland and go to a baker that's in downtown Cleveland, but you might be getting married like, you know, somewhere in a barn. So it's not just your baker that has to go. A lot of times for me personally, I don't feel comfortable delivering a wedding cake by myself because it also turns into this crazy double dare where they're like, okay, Courtney, you made this 75-pound cake, and now you have to carry it up a flight of stairs and through a gallery and out of a barn and over a bridge and <laughs> and somehow set it directly in the middle of a six-foot table. And all of these things have happened. This That's is a like, recipe for disaster. Yes. When you're going, oh my God, it's $100 for delivery, you're literally paying two people to probably spend three hours doing nothing but trying to get your wedding cake safely into a space. So that is why it costs so much. But you do have to keep that in mind. And it comes down to, I only have a budget for $500. I have to feed 500 people. Baker, can you tell me what you can do? And this is my aesthetic. You know, in the days of Pinterest, like I know everybody's scrolling and they're saving. (laughs) Bring that with you. It's such good information. Like, I want to see all of your inspiration pieces and not just for cakes that have been done. I want to see gown inspirations and I want to see your flower inspirations. I want to see your colors and I want to see where it's going. Absolutely. All of it plays into me helping you create something unique because I don't necessarily feel comfortable completely plagiarizing a cake that you found. Although if that is what you want, I will take your money and I will make it for you. So it's... (laughs) But artistically, you could do something that's uniquely for them. Right. But that's kind of loosely based off of an inspiration they had. You're not just one photo. You didn't decide to go in a certain direction for your wedding in one hour. You've spent hours and hours thinking of this, and you are like an onion, so many layers of inspiration and so many layers of background. And if you give them the opportunity, but also the information to make something for you, they will gladly... Everybody will be so excited for this. And it actually simplifies the process. It gives us the opportunity to give you a quote that's more honest, probably lower, because we're not confused by what you could possibly want. And it's all good things. So it's really just you being organized in your head. And even if just organized in your head is just a gallery of photos, that is great. So I want to get to cake cutting in just a second. 
because that's like the super fun part. You get to find right. the meat. But before <laughs> that, what do you do if you are still deciding on your cake and you are hardcore wanting your confetti cake like me <laughs> and your significant other is like, I hate that or I want this also? Like, how do you referee that situation and what are some options? You know, there's the groom's cake. And usually the groom's probably not like, hey, I want this beautiful cake with lilies and pansies so on top of it. is it still a thing? Still a thing. cake is still a thing? Oh, my brother-in-law, I made him a groom's cake, and he absolutely wanted nothing other than a Rice Krispie cake with Batman on top of it. <laughs> Would settle for nothing else. That is what he got. <laughs> so, so, yeah, no, I think groom's cakes are still totally a thing. I just think of Steel Magnolias with the giant armadillo. <laughs> and he hacks into it, and he's like, nothing like a good pizza. It is my favorite. The color they got on the blood of that armadillo <laughs> was perfection. It was so beautiful. It looks like the thing is bleeding to death. <laughs> I had that movie memorized. Sorry, guys. I need to rewatch it again because it's so fantastic. But, yeah, so groom's cake is an option to share in the, the love of cake. It is an option to share. A lot of people request to have a few different flavors within a multi-tiered cake. I think a lot of people are coming around to the idea, even though cupcakes may be so 10 years ago, they're so utilitarian, beautiful, easy, self-service. A lot of people too, when you get to cutting the cake, especially if you're trying to expedite the process, you have that wedding of 500 people, that budget of 500, and you need to have this cake cut you're probably not going to have it all in the tiered cake that people see. You're going to have it in the back in a sheet cake that's already been cut and been plated. I think that's a secret that people don't realize because it never really dawned on me until I was cake shopping myself that you could just have that option. Yes, please. Please order the sheet cake. I can give you such a better deal on a sheet cake. And it's more from my Ritz-Carlton days, the people who opted to have a smaller display cake that was really for cutting. And it would still come back. I would still, I have these great memories of just like taking both my hands and gloves and just peeling the fondant back because no one actually <laughs> wants to eat the fondant and then cutting it. It's the world's messiest process. <laughs> Even to get the cleanest cut wedding cake. But they would order, because they were very large weddings, they'd order one or two sheet cakes because a whole sheet cake will feed 100 people. And it's usually about... 80 to $100. So you're going to get the most bang from your box just having oh, that cake yeah. in the back. And it's so easy. And we'll actually score it for people. So especially if you're incredibly concerned about the amount of food, because some brides and grooms are just like, oh my God, what if we run out of food? That's never going to happen. <laughs> but I can also guarantee it's not going to happen when it comes to cake if you're getting a sheet cake because it's predetermined on top. Mm. You slice where the lines are. That's all you have to do. That's a great pro tip, though. What a way to save money and still delicious. And you're not losing your cake. You're not losing the display. You're not losing the theater of that one romantic moment that you have with your significant other where you're slicing together. I think it's really cool. With that, when do you think is the best time to cut the cake? I think, honestly, as you're going to be holding more people's attention earlier in the night. So you bring people in. You mean when they're not drunk, Courtney? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I have never imbibed in my life. <laughs> but you're holding people's attention earlier in the night. So if you really want them eyes focused on you, especially when you have a lot of people there, get in, get them a cocktail, have them have hors d'oeuvres. They're eating hors d'oeuvres. You're doing announcements. 
and go in immediately and cut the cake and get it in the back for so many reasons. You really want to have those picture apps. People are going to look nicer. They're going to be more attuned to you. But also, I'm not sure what your scenario is, but brides like to get married in the summer when it's really hot. And they like to ask you for beautiful things like pastry creams and lemon curds and all of those fancy things that love to melt. They... (laughs) Yeah, it's something definitely to consider if you are an outdoor and summer bride. You've planned this August wedding, and honestly, it could be thunderstorming and 70 degrees, or it could be 95 degrees with 100% humidity. And if you really want to have a beautiful moment in front of a sculpture that you ordered that's made of sugar and butter, just get it out of the way. And I promise you, you're going to feel better about it. Your baker's going to feel better about it. They might offer you more options because I've actually said no to people that have had August weddings, and they're like, I want a naked cake, but I want it filled with lemon curd. I'm getting married in an outdoor tent. And I'm like, no, I refuse to set you up for failure. (laughs) That's like just melting a couple hundred dollars. The worry never goes away. You don't graduate from worrying about your cake once you've dropped it off. That never goes away if you care about your job. So I have had so many instances where I have sat in my car in the air conditioning for an hour because I realized that they're not planning on cutting the cake until 9 p.m. And it's so hot outside that it's going to be terrible. And if you're unhappy, I'm not going to be happy if you call me and tell me your cake slid off. We do take precautions. If you're ordering a wedding cake, you have dowel rods in each layer and you have a dowel rod through the center layer. So your cake isn't going anywhere. But even if it's fondanted and buttercream, even if I put it in the freezer to make sure it's super duper set for you, it's still battling nature. There's only so much you can do. If you decide to forego a cake altogether or you want to have other options outside of a cake, what are some some good suggestions? You mentioned obviously cupcakes before, which yeah, they were super trendy before, but it doesn't go out of style. It's like a classic bride. It's a classic option, but what else can we do? I think dessert buffets are huge. And I think there are a lot of people that are actually getting away from wedding cakes. Wedding cakes back in the day, early last century and before, wedding cakes were a single eight or 10 inch cake. It was something that you baked at home and it was only for the bride and the groom and the immediate family. It was a small nondescript white cake that they would put doves on generally and fresh flowers. A lot of people are realizing that. And they're going for that small cake that they're cutting and they're keeping it and they're not giving it to anybody. And then they're doing the dessert buffets, which are great. A lot of people are really into pies. Whoopie pies are really big right now. I love that they're coming back. And there are so many different things that you can do, like from a visual standpoint. So you have your French macaroons, which everyone's doing, or you're getting a pumpkin roll that's cut, or a beautiful fresh fruit tart is going to be one of the most colorful things that you can have on there, or pieces of chocolate. And then you get to the fact that gluten-free is a big deal. Vegan's a big deal. But not everyone is gluten-free and not everyone is vegan. So when you're limiting yourself to just cake, especially if the bride and the groom don't happen to be those two things, you do leave out some people and some people might not care. At that point, they might be like, I've had so much champagne that's also gluten-free and vegan. It doesn't matter. But if you have a dessert buffet, you can do things that You've either gotten from different spaces, like you've ordered gluten-free from Philomena or Cleveland Vegan, and they're delicious vegan things. 
Or you've gone a more natural route and you have a buffet of beautiful carved fruit or mendiants with chocolate from like Cleveland Chocolate Company. There are so many different things if you source local and you get a little bit of everything. I do think that especially the people who are super worried about there being enough food, they often overorder food. And I think they overestimate what people are going to eat and they yeah. spend too much. There's too much budget going, no, everyone's going to have a slice of cake and they're going to have a donut and they're <laughs> going to have uh, this and that. And they assume that everything on the buffet, that somebody's going to try one of everything. So you have a 500 person wedding and you have 500 pieces of each flavor. And that is not how people eat. That is actually a constant conversation that I'm having with everybody. It's like, all right, so you have 500 people. Please anticipate that they're going to have two bites of things. So if you order five items, you only need to get 25% of them, maybe 100 of this item, maybe like 150 of this item based on, you know, whether it's chocolate, whether it's a comfort food. If you've decided to spend a little bit more in a decorated cookie, people won't actually eat them. So get a few less. Yeah, you don't go overboard. But with you saying that, though, I'm really proud of my Polish heritage. So aside from having the cake pops, I made sure we also had kolaczkis. Yeah. Not only am I proud Polish, but so much of my family side is. So a recommendation I would have, too, is find a connection with your heritage or, like, if you and your fiancé have, like, your candy. Maybe you eat, you know, M&Ms all the time or something. Like, it's something fun I think you can do, too. If you want it to be consumed, definitely go with that. If you're going to a Polish wedding, they have kolaczkis. You know everyone's going to be like, oh, my God, I know this is going to be awesome. I love kolaczkis. I wait for these events so I can eat them. Right. But if you go weird and everything's like a cardamom-based weird nonsense and they look at it and they, they can't identify it completely right off the rip, they're kind of less likely to eat it. Or so many options that you don't know where to start because you're stuffed. You know what that leads to? You like look at all of these empty tables where people are out dancing and all it is is plates packed with desserts that have one bite taken out of them or like none at all. And it's so it, it's so hurtful. It just sucks because somebody has put so much effort into it. Did you have a lot of people bring desserts to your wedding? Because I know, like... No, we had ours at Great Lakes Brewing Company, and so okay. we could bring our bakery in, so we did that, but the food was catered by Great Lakes. Well, no, I know a lot of people will let, especially some of the larger ethnic venues, will let oh, people's yes. families bring yeah. in stuff, like cookies and things like that. I think that's an awesome option. I love it when they offer that. Well, it's personal, and, and again, going back to the ethnic heritage, whatever it is, these are the people that know what their families want to eat. And so they're cooking for smiles. They're not trying to use their creative process to inspire people, you know? Or copy a Pinterest page. Or copy a Pinterest page. Those comfort foods, I can't emphasize it enough. They will be eaten before anything else. The chocolate chip cookies, the brownies, the lemon bars, the things yes. that you think are so boring is what everyone's, donuts. This past summer, my cousin got married. They're amazing. They did like a 300 person wedding. They ordered 400 donuts. And I'm like, you don't need this many donuts. <laughs> but okay. But I was wrong. I was so wrong. You guys wrong. went through them? 
They went through them in like an hour. I was just watching them get destroyed. That's impressive. It was so impressive. But I will say this. The only thing they offered was donuts. They did not offer another dessert. So if you're doing cake and then you also want, you know, cake that's cut, that's served, plus a dessert table, plus french fries and sliders and coffee and all of these things— you're probably going to be left with a lot of food for the staff to be eating at the end of the night. And that's a lot of money that's being cost. So much money. And it's a big deal. A lot of people need to really reserve their resources for a better wedding gown. With donuts, though, that leads me to my next question. What are some of the trends we're seeing for 21-22? Because donut walls were a thing that I they saw were on Pinterest. Thing. I'm not sure, you know. I don't think French macaroons are going out of style anytime soon, but... Hummingbird cake was also last year. Oh, I love hummingbird cake. Yeah, it's delicious. So I'm hoping that that trend kind of stays together for a little while. But like mini eclairs and cream puffs, I think we're going to see those come back because they're simple and people haven't been focused on them as much. And I'm kind of waiting for things like fudge. Simple things that nobody's been paying attention to lately that are actually delicious because you see these cake pops and it's just basically anything on a stick that's dipped in a thing is super cool. And I have to admit, you don't get dirty and you can still eat it and you don't need a napkin. So like yes. this trend is going to keep going because it's utilitarian and all of those utilitarian trends are going to keep on. So I think you're going to see more sweet and savory things. But honestly, everyone's been hunkered down. So I'm sitting and waiting and seeing what people are asking for. Because I still think that through 21, 22, it's going to be smaller weddings. And I think they're going to be more streamlined and minimalistic, reflecting on what's happening in the economy and in the world. So I think it's going to be comfort food, steak dinners, things like that. Basic, beautiful cakes. Fresh flowers are huge. Fresh flowers are so great. They're so inexpensive. They have every color. And they're just so easy for the baker to use. So I think you're going to see things like that. You saying sweet and savory makes me think of chocolate-covered pretzels. And it makes mm, me think of them right yeah. now. Yeah. All of those, like, maitardies, which are just these tiny, dry things that you would eat with coffee. So beautiful, beautiful biscottis. You know, the chocolate-dip marshmallows and chocolate-dip pretzels and all of those things that might not sound fancy, like, people are coming up with new ways, new designs that they can do all of these things simply for you and make it really awesome, make it really pop. Last question. What is your final piece of advice to couples out there that are looking to choose their wedding cake or bakery? Stick with your budget, definitely. Source information from a lot of people, but definitely go with the people that make you feel the most comfortable. Go with the things that are close to your heart and not try to keep up with something that you've seen or try to impress somebody in particular. This is your day. Keep it simple. Do not get dark navy or black frosting or icing on anything ever. (laughs) That is my suggestion to you. Especially your white dress or suit. Your white dress, your suit, or literally everyone's teeth. Everyone's mouth. Oh, I didn't even think about your teeth. If emeralds come back, emerald colors come back, it's going to be terrible. Or get them as part of a box or a packaging or something like that because you're going to stain your teeth. You're going to stain everyone's clothing. And there goes all your pictures. Goodbye. If you absolutely have to have a black cake, 
get that black and fondant. Do not get that buttercream. Spend the extra money because clearly you need a thing that bad. <laughs> but that's really it. Keep it simple. Keep it easy on you. Stick to your budget. Know your budget before you talk to people and do not order black icing. Thanks for joining us today, Courtney. It's been great to have you. I'm happy to do it. Happy to talk. Thanks for listening to Weddings Unveiled. Make sure you subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, please rate and review. We'd love to know what you think of the show. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to executive producers David Moss and Gerardo Orlando, production director Bridget Coyne, and audio engineers Eric Coltnow, Sean Rule Hoffman, and Declan Roars. Don't forget to enjoy the journey.